Hey guys, welcome back to the Friday Live podcast. It's Matt and Tim, Mutt finally. and Jeff. Yeah, finally get us both back together. Um, we're fixing to jump into Romans 15. It's um, going to be a great discussion. Stick around, don't run off. But uh, while you're out there watching all the intros and all that kind of stuff, like the podcast, like if you're on Facebook or whatever, go ahead and like it, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Make comments while you're out there watching. We'll see you in just a second for Romans 15. Hey, we're back. We're going to jump right in pretty fast because Romans 15 is pretty, man, it's just good. Uh, got a lot of good stuff. We've been chatting it up, and we could be on here for like five hours <laughs> talking about Romans 15. Boring. We won't do that to you because unlike being in church, you could just turn us off and, you know, go do something productive. But uh, it's interesting. I was telling Tim, we kind of just started up that, Ever since he kind of lays out in Romans, everybody thinks about Romans as that's the salvation book. You know, this is how salvation works, and that's true. But about the time he gets that good and laid out, he just starts into, and then this is what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. This is what it looks like. And then we, because we're dumb humans, then start taking that and running it into, all right, here's my checklist. Yeah. And Romans 15 is is no different. Um Tim talked last week about Romans 14 and how, you know, about conviction and culture and how we treat each other who think differently than we do, um, who have different spiritual convictions than we do. Examples, different Bible translations. Some people eat certain meats, some people don't. Some people do festivals, some people don't, and they think it's right or it's wrong. Or well, and I don't think they're talking about the world in general. He's mm -hmm. talking about people that are professing Christianity yeah. at whatever mark they are on that. So, I mean, to some degree, you could even apply this Romans 14 and what we're going to talk about in Romans 15 into, like, even denominational differences. Oh, yeah. And especially on items that aren't what I consider center of the chessboard deal-breaking type things. I mean, if somebody doesn't believe Jesus is the Son of God, we've got issues. I mean, and, and I'm probably not going to just let that go. I mean, because that's a big deal. But, you know, whether or not they eat meat or bacon, you know, or fill in the blank with any number of things that you can put in there. Read a King James or a New Living King, Translation. Yeah. or use hymns and books or screens and whatever. Listen to Benny Hinn or listen to... Us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're but, somebody now. And so, having said that, though, because Chapter 14, which you did a great job last week, I loved the podcast, mm. kind of... It's talking about, you know, people bring different stuff to the table, and people are at different places in their journey. I think we're built to bring different things to the table. We are individually made. Yeah. And the scriptures are replete with these ideas and descriptions of us being a body of many members yeah. and how we're gifted to do other things, and the eye's not the foot, and the foot's not the hand. And it's, so you're right, we're designed to be that way. But that works its way out a lot of times in our convictions and how we view the faith and how we think we should walk it out and and not just our personality and whether you know we like the color blue or we like this type of music or that type of music it works itself out most of the time that in my experience with people and what they're convicted about yeah you know and what they think is important so as we jump into Romans 15 that's kind of the context coming off of 14 but he makes a statement in the very first verse that we want to spend some time on and um do you have, you have New American? Yeah. I'm going to read it in the Christian standard. It's almost exactly the same. He says in verse 1, Now we who are strong, 
I got I do this all the time when I'm preaching. Let me stop for a second. You notice he says we. It's not a bad thing to recognize where you are. Good yeah. or bad, mature, immature, whatever. Being able to recognize the truth of where you are in the Lord is probably one of the most empowering and wonderful things that you can figure out how to do. Let the Spirit teach you. He says, we, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. So I want we wanted to talk a little bit before we jump into what he's going to say in 15 about the context of chapter 15. Yeah. Because it's going to be easy. And people, these are, Romans 15's got a lot of coffee cup verses in it where people just pluck them out, and it says, you know, really kind of almost like kumbaya kind of Jesus people from the 60s kind of stuff, <laughs> sounding things. And I'm not saying that's not even a good application of it. Hi, Miss Allison, um, Ken, and Heather, nice to have you all with us. Um, but the context of the what he's going to say it is, to me, even more powerful. Yeah. So Tim was looking at a while ago, Talk a second about the differences in the words he's using between those who are strong and those who are weak. I mean, those are polar opposites, but in the original yeah. languages, it's interesting the words that he used. Let me just... And so really what we're talking about here is when he says we who are strong, so you're talking about Paul, and we look at Paul as this picture elder, if you want to put it in those kind right. of terms, a matured guy in the kingdom. And if he's doing it, that must be exactly how the kingdom is a... Uh, is, uh, Working. Sorry, we had a technical distraction. Technical distraction. Just let that go, Sean. Just let it, just let it go. So, uh, at any rate, uh, now we who are strong. And so, it, that immediately starts begging the question, how do you know if you're mature or not? Those are terms that are used like in Hebrews and things like that. And actually, he dealt with that some in Romans earlier where we, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, how do you self-label yourself as mature? Right. And that gets kind of dangerous. So let's just kind of go from the word that he has here. So he says, we who are strong. So when you start doing word searches on that, and then he says, we who are strong should bear the weakness of those that are with, mine says without strength. Yeah, mine too. And so when you look that word up, uh, strong and without strength, it really paints a polar opposite picture. Right. Uh, and so the word they're using for strong is like the super confident type. So if you imagine, I don't know what you think of Elon Musk, but if he was to walk into your place and you're talking about uh, Teslas and you're talking about space and all of a sudden you're going to stop and go because you want to hear what Elon has to say because right. that must be the measure of all of it, right? Confident, he comes in and he's, He's not scared of anything, and even he can get set back a little, and he'll go, eh, psh, we'll, we'll just do this, you know, confidence of a magnificent order. And I'm I'm overplaying that because if your life is distraught and beat up and everything you do just seems to go south for several years, yeah, you might have a hard time comprehending what that is, which might bring you to the point where it talks about weakness. And the word they use that, the base word of that, is almost the same thing as asthma. Yeah. And I had asthma as a kid. And I remember, you know, you, you'd be sucking for air because whatever triggered it, you'd hear the, <laughs> and your brain can't function because you can't get enough oxygen in there. 
and uh, your body's trying to do what it was built to do, and it just naturally does, but then the things are coming in and hindering it. Those are the differences of what he's explaining in this. Yeah. So those of us that are confident in the Lord, you know, you whatever your success, and you know what, it's not a linear measure. You don't have the success, and there you right. are in every aspect of your life. Doesn't happen that way. Nope. Uh, there's a there's a drawing that goes around every once in a while, and it's like my plan for my life, and it's like a straight line to retirement or whatever. And then it's like compared to God's plan, and it's like all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You may be greatly matured in one thing, and you're a dolt in the other. Yeah. Well, and, and another way I was thinking about when I was reading, you're sitting there talking about characterizing what he's about to say is, those of you who are doing well, yeah, compared to those of you who are not doing so well, and, and you say, well, by what measure? Well, it could be by any number of measures. I mean, if you're struggling, you're struggling, and you know it typically. Um, and and, and it, like you said, it may be in one area or another area, and it may be that you're strong in an area and weak in another. Well, you so, might be strong in your salvation at one moment, and then you get train wrecked for two or three years, right. and you start sitting around going, man, am I even saved? <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever dealt with that before, but I, I know have. I have. I have. And, you know, but now, I don't even think about that anymore. So in those areas, I feel like I'm strong in the Lord, and I don't have to even think about that anymore. I, I'm, I'm digging for other things in the Scripture. I'm not saying I do that. I'm at that level where I can lord it over somebody. I'm just, that's the confidence level that I understand where the Lord is from my times of search and Scripture and digging. Uh, so I don't really have to worry. I don't even think about that anymore. You think, wow, I'd like to be there. Keep digging. <laughs> well, and, and Tim and I have been walking with the Lord a long time, and we've been walking with the Lord together a long time. Yeah. And there have been seasons in our relationship together where there would be seasons where I was down and low, and Tim would would help pick me up. And, and not just in the action of helping my friend. I could see what was going right. on. And I couldn't see it for whatever reason. And but the, the tables have been flipped on that too, and we're talking yes. decades into this relationship here and the relationship with the Lord, and so it's that's what he's talking about here. It, this is not a definitive you who are always all the time strong yeah. and you who are always all the time weak. It's you may be in either one of those roles at any time. Um, however, the more the time that you spend in that strong role the less time you spend, tend to spend in the other role, simply because you begin to see the kingdom. That's why we talk about kingdom vision all the time. You begin to be able to take the things. Like, it's like having your asthma under control. It doesn't mean you don't have yeah. it, but you can control it. You know what to avoid. You know when to use the inhaler, et cetera, et cetera. That's the learning process. Right. And you know what? It's not, and we're automatically looking at that going, well, you know, I've done all these things, and it's, called my lack, it's caused my lack of relationship with God. It goes on, and it's talking about the impressions of the Spirit, because we were talking about that in, right. in verse 14. Do what you're convicted to do, and those of you that are strong, don't be looking down on people that are, you know, it uses the terms of eating things or whatever, and things that we talked about earlier, you know, what kind of church you go to or the kind of Bible you read or right. the kind of people you hang out with, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, if you're confident in the Lord in some kind of walk, and we were talking about that earlier, relationships that we have with people outside of this thing, if you're simple-minded and you're, let's just put it into, into offices, you know, you're a pastor or an elder or whatever it is, and somebody finds out you got a, a gay or lesbian friend, 
You know, the simple-minded one would go like, yeah. you can't do that. That that That's going to make your walk messed up. Well, if that was the case, and I'm not telling you go generate these friends. I'm talking about, in my case anyway, it's just people that the Lord had put in my way, and I'm, I'm dealing with it. But I, it's easy to, 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 so here's a simple-minded person that you would think is mature. They immediately make that list, you know. Uh, uh, you can't associate with people like that. You're, here's a good one. So I saw one come out on Facebook. Somebody's banging on Hillsong, the group, about how, you know, when you really study this and that about them, that they're pagan heathens and they're going to lead people <laughs> off seen into that hell. before. Uh, I don't even know about all that. I, I, but I'm watching some people that are making comments on that thing that would be seen as spiritual leaders, and I'm like going, "How are you even drawing that?" The first part is how ridiculous it is. How could this people as a music group lead a whole bunch of people off the hill? That would mean that Satan has priority over what God can do. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Right. <laughs> so. So that's kind of, that may be a bad example, but that's well, that's it, kind of what he's talking about here. Don't don't go slashing people. Well, I'm growing in the Lord, and those hill songs really make me worship the Lord. Am right. I wrong? Am I messed up? And well, and but, and the word that that stuck out to me too was those of you who are strong, you have an obligation. That's a heavy word. Yeah. That's that's almost like a commandment. I mean, it's like there's an expectation. That you do what? Bear the weaknesses of. You you bear, which is to carry, to put up with, to endure. Yeah. You could even insert the word, the infirmities, the struggles of those who are not in whatever area quite where you are. And the word weakness, that's what they used was infirmity. Right. That that was it. Or, no, it was uh, the asthma one. No, that, it, that is yeah, it. Translated, yeah. That was the word they used was infirmity, but the root of the Greek word that they used for weakness here is the root of asthma. Right. So that's where I extrapolated And, and I think that. that that is important because it's not like, he's not talking about a, a abject rebellion against God when you know what right is and choosing wrong. To him that knows to do good and do, does it not, it is sin. That, that's not what he's talking about. Because in the light of chapter 14, he's talking about convictions that differ and vary. And in, then he adds the context in 15.1 that there's a difference there because of strength and weakness or maturity and immaturity. And it's not a straight line. God right. may be convicting you in one way, but he's not convicting another because he's raising you up in the measure of where he's taking you for his right. use. And I might not be able to see that. And so one of the and. I'll get back. I was going to give an example, but let me wait because in verse two, well, in verse one, he lays the groundwork. Yeah. You have an obligation. If you have clarity, if you have kingdom vision, you have whatever you have. You have the freedom to do things like he talked about in 14 and 13 and stuff. And you're with someone or you're not just say with, but you have exposure to someone who does not have that same vision, clarity or freedom or whatever. You, he's, he's asserting that you are in the position of strength in that scenario. Yeah. That's what he's asserting. How do you behave? How do you manage that as a child of the king? He says, each one of us, number two, verse two, each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So part of the obligation is not for your neighbor's good, for the neighbor's good yeah. to build them up. Because what we get caught into a lot of times, Tim, is this, is we like, I've got to be right 
for my own sake of being right. And I, yeah. I, I, can, I can see that a mile away only because that's how I'm wired. And, 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 and that's, that's probably one of my biggest Achilles heels is I like to be right. And I have this huge sense of, of injustice when something that's factually correct is misrepresented or whatever. And it's my natural fleshly bend to go pursue that truth and ferret out all the injustice or whatever. And, and, but if I'm honest, what that real quickly can lead to is it's not for the good of the other people. Yeah. It's for the good yeah. of my own yeah. conscience. Yeah. We talked about it in a different way several weeks ago about when you, in, in confronting people and sin and those sorts of things, what culture in our church culture a lot of times will do is they want to point out the sins and the wrongdoings of others or denominations or whatever for, for condemnation purposes, just like yeah. they do with the Hillsong stuff. And what's not in play a lot of times in our fleshly mind is I want to point this out for my brother's good. I want to keep them from yeah. a, a running off a cliff. And he's saying here the uh, part of the obligation is to do it not only just to build them up, but to please his neighbor. There's a relational aspect to the strong and the weak. And he was like, you, you need to be building them up because if they're in a place where they don't understand, don't have the kingdom vision, don't have the maturity, well, then instantly part of our obligation, if we do, is to help them to gain that. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. And in verse 3, <clears throat> for even, and this is where he really lays it on. I mean, this is where he puts, it, puts the screws to us a little bit. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it's written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Yeah, and you were saying that earlier, the obligation to mind yourself and how you're walking in that. <clears throat> even if you know you're right, and you may hurt for the other person, but they may be insulting you. God himself bared that kind of stuff for us. So you're not... He's not telling you just to take it on the chin. There's a reason that you have to walk like that right. and do that. Well, you know, back in the day, they always had these WWJD bracelets everybody wore. What would Jesus do? And everybody wants to always go, oh, well, flipping tables is on the list because Jesus did that. You know, and everybody wants to jump <laughs> yeah. to that. But what doesn't get a lot of traction on coffee cups is he also not just bore our sins, but he was insulted, he was inflicted, yeah. or, uh, afflicted, and... He took ridicule. He took our ridicule. He took the ridicule of others for that reason, for the good of the other. And and so he's raising the bar here that's like the reason you have this obligation is because Jesus did that thing for you. Exactly. Where like Peter it. says, by his stripes you were healed. Yeah. The whole time he was walking and when he would be insulted either by his own house or the outside of the house, that's stripes that he's taking. Right. And he wasn't going, oh, why am I taking this? He knew what was going on. Yeah, because it was and for the good of the people. What is it, it, the ex nihilo? I mean, he could have turned around like, yeah, and everything would have just went slammed down to the floor like it did in John. Well, it was like he talks about. I, he could have called legions of angels to wage war, literally. And there's an old, uh, there was an old sermon that I listened to when I first started preaching um, called Calvary through the eyes of angels. And I forget the guy's name that, that preached it, some big muckety muck at the time. And I used to listen to that thing on cassette tape over and over and over again. But he drew out some things that by the word of his, the thought of his mind, yeah. the, <laughs> the, the warrior angels of heaven 
could have come and waged war. And if you don't think that's impressive, you look at Joshua's response to the captain of the host of the armies of the Lord when he showed up in battle armor. Yeah. And he said, I'm not on either side. I'm with, I am the captain of the host of the armies of the Lord. And it, it, his appearance made Joshua, who was a mighty warrior, it made him yeah. fearful. <clears throat> like, because um, the context in there is, is if you're on our side, I feel better. If you're on their side, we're in trouble. Yep, that's exactly the And context. so that's what was at his disposal, and he didn't use it. And if there was ever anybody who was on the case of right, it was him. It's kind of like controlling your temperament. You actually have the capacity to crush everything around you with the truth you have, and he chose not to. Exactly. The reason That's that, what he's talking about here. And the reason I say I can spot that kind of stuff a mile away is because that's 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 how I'm wired. I want to crush everything around me with the truth that I have. Yeah. It's probably one of my biggest vices <laughs> I have to fight through is when I know I'm right, shutting my mouth, to be honest. I mean, it's just not always the place and always the time or even always in the way. Um, and so verse 4 says, that's the context. Those of you who are strong, put up with those that are weak for their own good. Your goal is to bring them up, bear them up, just like Jesus did for you. And then he says in verse 4, for whatever was written in the past, this is where it kind of starts getting interesting, was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. I wrote in the notes of my, my Bible here, yeah. it's very difficult to endure with people. If you, Especially when you're right. Especially <laughs> when you're right and you know that they're wrong. Um, if you've got teenagers, I'm, one of my sons is in here running the podcast. So I can say this in front of him. If you've got teenagers, there's a season where they know everything. They've figured out the world. They're about 16. 17 years old, they've figured out how the world works. You're an idiot. You don't know how anything works, you know, and they want to assert that. One of the struggles I always have had as a dad is, well, but you're, but you're obviously an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't have the experience. <laughs> and where at times there may be even merit in that kind of a direction, but it's also very good to let people figure it out. Well, well, I like the example you gave yeah. about the kid eating with a fork. Yeah, I mean, like we were, what we were talking about was when you have a little kid just learning how to eat. Well, I'll use Brenna even. Brenna's just, since she started school a few weeks ago, she started after almost 15 years. She's decided she wants to eat by mouth. She's never eaten much by mouth. She's tube fed. Um, but she just decided her very first day at school a few weeks ago that she was going to eat an entire school pizza. You know those really nice, wonderful square kind that everybody loves so much? And she's been eating two or three meals a day by mouth ever since. But when she does, there's food everywhere. Right. I mean, literally, I told Tammy yesterday, I took Brenna's shoes into her, and I said, she's the only one of our seven children who I've ever had to dig food out of the bottom of her shoe. She didn't step in dog poop, and it wasn't mud. It was crushed chicken nugget and french fry. Because when she eats... The food's everywhere because she doesn't know how to do it well. She doesn't use utensils. Yeah. She's stuffing it in her mouth and rubbing it, and she's got grease all over her, and it's in the floor. She comes home, and it's all over her clothes. That doesn't make me mad. I actually can rejoice in the fact that she's figuring it out. Right. Yeah, that's a good example. Well, and, and we were talking, if you've seen The Chosen, spoiler alert if you haven't, so turn your face away. But in one of the early episodes, Mary 
uh, Magdalene is is leading Shabbat and what Shabbat? Well, it's Passover and Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. Well, for us it's the Lord's Supper, but it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You got to prepare the food, and there's ways to do it. And it's there's liturgy to it. I mean, there's a way to do it. It's outlined in Scripture, and it's a big deal. And you did it for your own household. Well, in the show, again, there's there's a lot of artistic liberty taken, and but long story short, kind of the the misfits kind of came together. The people who had no familial attachments, they didn't have anywhere to go for for it. So they came to her house. Well, she's trying to put it on herself. And really, she shouldn't have been doing it anyway. anyway yeah, that, that, by that, the letter of the law, it yeah. should not have been her. But she's doing it. She's nervous. She's shaking. She's got it written on a piece of paper, you know, and she's trying to make it through. And then Jesus shows up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this ritual is about him. And, of course, she's like, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi, you know, you do it. And he's like, no, I'm not doing it. And one of the things I liked about what they did in that scene, I was telling Tim earlier, is the actor that plays Jesus there, the look that he had on his face was so loving, so kind, and proud. It was like you watching your little kid, you know, do something awesome. You know, they're graduating from kindergarten and you're just beaming or they're valedictorian. Yeah. Of the, you know, whatever it is that they do well, they do it and you're just proud. That was the proud papa look on his face. And there was an affection in that, and she was stumbling. She wasn't supposed to be doing it. She wasn't doing it all exactly correct. And yet, he thought, that's awesome. You're stumbling in the right direction, and it's beautiful. And that's the attitude that we yeah. get out of Romans 4, 15, is, is that for the, young, for the weaker brother or sister that's stumbling, but they're stumbling towards the kingdom, rejoice in the stumbling and help them bear them up for their good not don't don't crush them yeah it doesn't mean you don't give people advice or if they right. ask you you can tell them or things like that but if you know if they're going to keep on with it or do what they're going to do it's not on you to change right. that right that's that's actually perfect ground that the lord likes to get into and stir things up with it right and in verse five maybe we'll get through verse seven it says now may the god who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus. There's another piece of context that you have to remember. He's writing to Gentile believers in Rome. Yeah. And all through this section, he's talking about how the Gentiles and the Jews, Christian Gentile and Christian Jews, relate to one another. Because the Jews who had come to, to follow Jesus... They knew the oracles of God. They had the testaments, they had, or the Old Testament, or they the, had the, the Torah. Background. They had the Torah. They had the, what we would call, yeah, the, our church background. They knew kind of how to do things. These poor Gentile pagans, man, they didn't know anything. I mean, they didn't know anything. And Well, except by nature, they do the things of the Lord. <laughs> yes, but I'm talking about liturgically. Right, okay, gotcha. And it caused conflict. You know, it was like, well, we got to make them be circumcised or we got to make them do this. Oh, they're not doing this over there. And they had all these big meetings. You see it in Acts right, coming out. Right, right. When Cornelius got the spirit, it freaked everybody out, you know. And Peter came, brought it to the council. It was like, yeah, Cornelius got the Holy Spirit poured out on him. And, uh, and they were like, well, we better have a meeting, you know. Well, and in verse 6, it, it kind of starts culminating that. So that with one accord you may... With one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The point is, is don't go in and make a big rumbling hoo-ha. James calls it about don't don't wrangle over words. And was it in James where it says that? I don't remember. At any rate, uh, the scriptures say, <laughs> don't, 
come work. Don't be wrangling over words. Uh, but he says, go in and leave these people and be at peace with them because if everybody is glorifying the name of God and the Father and of Jesus in, in company, like not just in church, but I mean, I mean, Matt's ugly and bald and I have to deal with his attitudes and all this stuff, but we can <laughs> sit together and we can rejoice about the kingdom together. It's awesome. I feel so built up right now. <laughs> Well, it, it, but that's on the that's on the the mantle of that is on the so-called matured one to be able to be in harmony with the people around because if they're really glorifying God together, he's gonna work well, all that and, stuff and out. And how many times have the strong, the mature, instead of bringing up those that are just coming in, we crush them? That's why millennials are leaving the faith, y'all, is because when they were stumbling, well, uh, part I, of it, I agree with you, but I'm arguing me on, on TV, yes, but. Part of it is is because when they when we got people that are just figuring this thing out, we think that getting everything just right is the end game. Yeah, we we did this at Crossbrand the other night. We're telling them even studying the scriptures is not the end goal. Yes, you study the scriptures so that you can see who God is and have a relationship with Him. Yes, and have a relationship with truth. What he's saying in that in that verse verse six. He's, he's defining what the point of living in harmony with them yeah. is. So that you may glorify the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. When you don't do this, you don't have one mind, you don't have one voice, and you can't, as a unit, glorify God and Christ. And the Spirit is the one that brings the convictions, That's not right. me or you. That's exactly right. This is an echo to me of when Jesus was praying in John 17. Father, make them one as we are one. Yeah. They're different. They're going to have different convictions. And Paul, in, to the Gentile Christians, is echoing that. How do you bring honor and glory and praise to the Father? You shut your mouth and get along with each other, <laughs> and you, you don't worry about all this stuff. And you, So they're of a different persuasion. Big deal. We're all stumbling towards yeah. the kingdom together. We come together in unity and we worship and praise the Lord Jesus Christ because in John 17, he says, when we do that, that's when the world will know that Jesus was sent from God and that's when they'll believe. And when everybody's doing that, that's the spirit driven. Right. That's not men just deciding that you're gonna praise the Lord on your own accord. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's, so it's a sign of that he's working and he's doing things inside there is, is the kind of the point. That's why I said that. Right, and, and I think that that's, you know, Tim and I probably don't agree 100% on everything, yeah. even theologically. I guarantee you we would have different degrees of wherever we're at on stuff. Um, but, man, when it comes down to it, and if I'm going into the, into the battle, I want Tim with me um, because he's a Same. kingdom guy, you know. And when there's, when there's praise to be done and praise is happening, all this other junk just doesn't matter. You know, and we get so convinced that getting everything right getting all the check boxes checked off, that that's what's important. We couldn't get it right even if we could see things from God's perspective. <laughs> you know, it, and, and, and there's an arrogance in thinking that we can. But I, I like the fact that, that he makes the distinction. Yeah. There are some of us and you and we and them and they, whoever, fill in the blank of your group, that are further along in our journey of having kingdom vision and understanding the kingdom than others. Yeah. But it doesn't always look that way. You can be in church for 30 years. You can be in places of leadership and still be in this position of needing someone to put up with you. Yeah. 
And I know that because I've been walking with the Lord a long time, and I really feel sorry sometimes for some of the people that have to deal with me because I'll get caught in a fleshy hey, moment. Amen. All right. Oh, sorry. And I'll, you know, and, and when you don't exercise right, and maybe in that moment or in that area, in that domain, there's growth that needs to happen. Well, somebody who doesn't need that growth, like there are things that our pastor David um, is is really good at in terms of dealing with people and diffusing situations and things like that. And I'm redhead. I mean, I'm not redheaded anymore, but when I had hair, it was red, and I've got the temperament to go with it. And my knee-jerk reactions a lot of times are just, I just get whipped up and spun up really Slam. fast. Slam. Slam down. <laughs> you know, and David is really good about having a temper a counter thing to that hey, he's he's further down yeah. and then that you know uh than 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 i am and it's a good buffer and so it's easy for me to even go to him as a brother and say man i'm struggling i lost my temper or whatever i got wound up about something so it doesn't even matter how long you've been in this thing yeah you can you're not as far along as you think you are sometimes right. well and i could flip that around and, and I, I work with people who get freaked out about the tiniest little thing goes wrong in their life, and they absolutely lose their everything. Yeah, Sean's one of them. And uh, <laughs> and part of our life has been you know, living with Brenda and things. We live in a constant daily world of we have no idea what's going to happen today. You know, yeah. every time Brenda sneezes or gets, gets a nose run, it could be the day. Just a few weeks ago, Brenda had a seizure, and she stopped breathing. One of the first times we've actually really seen that, she stopped breathing for a period of time. And her hands and lips and stuff had turned blue. And it freaked us out a little bit, you know, for a moment. And she's back and we're good. That's every day. So we're a little, not not cold and not used to it, but it's, you just deal with it. Yeah. And so we can help people that are just entering that. Maybe their child's just gotten born and they have issues and they're not sure how to, to deal with it. Um, so we can come in and help them on that. Whereas... The next day, I might turn around and need to go to David and be like, I lost my temper again because I'm just a heathen. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. That you can be all yeah. over this map. And so in the area and the domain, or maybe overall, that you are strong, he says you have an obligation, an obligation, a requirement, an expectation to bear up the infirmity, the weakness, where these people that are not where you're at. And so... What that really charges me up about is 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 the what he's there's a, the other side of what he's saying. Here's what you're supposed to do. The other side of that is is stop beating people about the head and shoulders with what you think is right. And that comes into verse seven and eight. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Right. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. Yeah. That's probably kind of where we need to stop. Yeah. But, uh, it goes back like I was talking about last week. When you start getting into the, I hate calling it the checklist stuff, but that's kind of what we turn it into. Yeah. Go back and read chapters one through 10 again. Yeah. <laughs> Just to get that broad spokes or broad scope spectrum again, 
and then when you start getting into places where it's more comfortable, this is how you do it, this is how you not do it, get back into that bigger scope so that you start going, yeah, well, it's not quite as black and white as it well, and, seems. And it doesn't even mean that you're wrong about your assessment yeah, of the that's person. that's right. Because he says, welcome people how Jesus welcomed you. How did Jesus welcome you? Jacked up, broken, in need of a Savior, sinful, at the bottom. He wasn't afraid to go deal with the people that none of us would have anything to deal with. Right, and he says, receive each other that way. Yeah. And I yeah. like, I wanted to touch, before we get off of that and we, and we close, that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. That's significant. Let me, let me put that some context in there. Yeah. He became the servant of the people that would kill him. The Let, church people that would, would kill he him. wasn't following liturgy. He was talking against it in their heads. Yeah. And he became their servant. He that's, became that's the cool. servant of his enemy. Why? It says he did that. Why? On behalf of God's truth. Yeah. Not on his own behalf, but on God's truth. To what end? To confirm the promises of the fathers. He, yeah. It was spoken of. He had to do it. And then in verse 9, And so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. He became the servant of those that hated him. So that me and you, Gentile, could be grafted in. We talked about that weeks and weeks ago. Could be grafted into this cared-for tree. Well, but the picture is, is that he is the Word, and he was showing to the Gentiles how the Word is really Jesus. works. That's exactly right. And so, and so it looked rough to the circumcision. Yeah. And that he was trying to show them that's. That was not the word. That's not who God is. Right. He's after to create to redeem his creation. Right. And this is what it looks like. Yeah, and so resist the the urge to go through this stuff and make you a checklist. Yeah. It's just not that's not what he's getting after. He is saying sometimes we need to be quiet. And we need to welcome one another. Well, and in in chapter fourteen. He says, keep your convictions and the way you do things yeah. and see things between you and God. Right. Because you can come across as looking wrong or being wrong or all that kind of stuff. And so when you don't know, you're not strong. Right. Not what we were talking about in the front of this thing. But also when you are strong, if you really are, you recognize the fact that you might come across and find out that you're just dead wrong and you got to be okay with that. As a pastor for over 25 years, I used to always say, and I still say this day, I always reserve the right to be wrong. <laughs> and and it happens a lot. And it it just is. And so be gracious. Yeah. At the end of this section, I think, be gracious to each other. Yeah. Build unity around Jesus because that's what lets the world know that he is special and that he yeah. is who he says he is. Appreciate y'all joining us today. Um, we got one more week at Crossbrand. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll be wrapping up our training there. Excited about that. We've got some other stuff on the horizon. Hopefully, we'll be going to the Valley on May the 11th. Somewhere. Yeah, around. going down to Brownsville to train a church down there. Ecclesia, Ecclesia, however you say it. I always get into these things, and I, my brain. Because May that on the 14th me. is here. No, April. Yes, May the 14th is here. Is here. Is yeah. here. We'll have the Men's Day here, and. Uh, May the 11th, we're going down to the valley. Um, and so y'all pray for us. Uh, got a lot going on there. Still developing the app. If you don't have our app, go out to the app store and get it. It's called The Crucible's Fire. Um, that way, when we start rolling out the new one that we're doing, it'll just update and you'll have everything right there at your disposal. Um, again, always, we 
just kind of want to remind you just to be prayerful about partnering with our ministry. If the Lord would lay it on your heart, um, what, what we, what's really beneficial to us are the, the monthly partners that we have, even if it's $5 a month. It helps us be able to do this. Again, we don't take salaries or anything. Everything goes into creating materials and training for people. Um, we've been really blessed to be at Cross Brand Cowboy Church. There have been about 100 folks there, give or take, 80 to 90, uh, I think this last time, learning how to study their Bible. Yeah. And so if you're watching this and you think, man, we'd like to do that at our church, just give us an email at info at org. We'd love to... Uh, Come to your church, talk with your church leadership, and come out and, and schedule some training for you. Um, we can do it on a Saturday. We're finding out we can do it on Wednesdays. It's a little bit more of a, of a shoehorn, but we can we can do it. We're getting there. Yeah. But uh, So we appreciate you guys staying with us every Friday and uh, watching it afterwards. But don't forget, even if you're watching this later, comment on the stuff for share it. Share it around your social media. It really helps us with Zuckerberg's silly algorithms. And uh, it just does help the ministry and helps the gospel go out. We love you guys. You got anything to say before we go? No, we're good. Good. I don't like it when you talk anyway. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a great weekend.